Wanstead hanging out with Mully and Haw. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. We've got Coach Wanstead on the Signature Bank score hotline. Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. And, Dave, we've been uh, – We've been talking about the Bears uh, leading the offseason. They've got whatever, $110, $118 million available in the salary cap. They got the number one overall pick in the draft. They're on the clock. Um, how much, when you see, I mean, it's very rare we see this amount of cap space, but they, they kind of uh, decided to bite the bullet. When you see that kind of... Um, of money available to a team. Do you think it's, um, do you think it's five? Is it six? How many starters can you get in free agency? Is it less than that? Are you going to be careful about the money? And, uh, and, and what about the draft? How many more starters do you add when you finish uh, worst in the NFL? Yet means you got a lot of room for improvement. Right. Uh, You know, it, let's assume that we do trade down and we, we pick up another one or two, or uh, I could see us getting four players uh, and I'm going to be a little conservative, four starters uh, out of the draft. I really could very easily. I mean, you know, right now we got one, two and three. I'm, I'm going to disregard our fours and fives that we have, uh, even though you can hit a player and, and we have, and, and there's a lot of, you know, the Tom Brady's of the world. I know all those stories. Uh, but I, I would say conservatively, let's say we get four starters out of the draft after we make a trade, if that's what we do, trade down. And then we should definitely be able to get four starters. So I would look at eight guy, eight players. I think that's a conservative number going into next season that we could legitimately have eight players. Now, the other side of having that cap money, I'm sure that Ryan Poles is sitting back and saying, okay, who do we have? You know, that's a young player that we would want to extend and take advantage of this right now. So I don't know who that would be. You know, maybe a Mooney type of player, uh, maybe Jalen Johnson, I, I, you know, I, maybe one of those offensive linemen. I mean, do we want to lock a couple of these guys up? Uh, that's the other side of it. Then they have to decide, obviously, how much money they want to allot to both. But, you know, this whole thing comes down to, to, to really getting not just spending the money and not just having a bunch of draft picks. It comes down to getting the right players, guys. And there's been a lot of teams that have made a lot of great trades, okay, over the years. Uh, you know, the Raiders made a big one. I remember the, the Eric Dickerson trade. The Rams had a I – mean, and they never really ma- ma- materialized or hit it because they, they didn't pick the right players. So that's a key – and, and let me just say this, because I'm, I'm, today I'm kind of throwing stuff out there because I'll be debating this stuff, I know, for the next six months, and the haters will all be coming out. But I want to, you know, you, you know, know this, that there is a window, and you can talk all you want about Justin Fields because he got he's a quarterback that runs, that he won't last. And w- what are you talking about lasting? You're going to say you want a guy that lasts 15 years, fantastic. But do you want a quarterback that's on your team that's a really good player for 10 years, or do you want to win a Super Bowl? If you want to win a Super Bowl, I think you got to look at it as a four-year window, say, a three. You know, last year, last year there were two teams, guys. Jacksonville won three games, and they're in the playoffs. 
The Giants won four games last year, and they're in the playoffs. So this thing will turn, and I think it can turn, a heck of a lot faster than what Bear fans realize. And so I would kind of – what I'm trying to say is I would box everything in that how can we win a Super Bowl in the next four years and take advantage, and I'm going to use the word take advantage, of Justin Fields and his abilities. Maybe he won't be running like that six, seven years from now. I don't know. But in the next two, three, four years, he's going to be, and there's something special there, and I would focus on that. I mean, you know, and, and, I, and I know the grass is always greener. Yeah, let's take Bryce Young. God bless you. He's a great player. Uh, you know, but just look at the quarterbacks that were drafted the last couple of years. You know, Zach Wilson. You want Zach Wilson? I don't know. Do you want Trevor Lan- uh, Trey Lance? I don't know. Do you want Mac Jones rather than Justin Fields? Good luck. Go ahead. You want Jordan Love? He was a first-round pick. Tua? Do you want Tua? I mean, I, I, you know, so I think the grass will always be greener. People will never be happy. But, boy, if you're taking something that you have and that you know, and if, if you really believe on it, and I know 25% of what the people obviously in the building know about Justin Fields. But if you like him, you build around him, and you do everything to try to win a Super Bowl in the next four years. To me, that's the deal. It's also the practical matter, Dave, of having to see it through once you've started down this road and how many other needs that you have. You've given us a lot to think about. I think the four starters in free agency, four in the draft, sounds realistic. I want to get back to one of your three scenarios at the top, though, because you know how the league works. And if the Bears don't find a trade partner at number one and they're there and they take a non-quarterback at number one, how realistic is that and how conceivable? What would be the reaction if the Bears stand pat yet take the best player on their board and it's not a quarterback? Oh, they'll be criticized. They'll be definitely criticized. There's no question about that. You know, because, um, uh, you know, everybody's anticipating that, that we got an opportunity to to, to really uh, make this first-round pick uh, be multiple picks. So that's the mindset, and I'm sure that's the mindset that Ryan Poles has right now. You know, and we and we may not get the home run. You know, it, it, let's just say that Ryan Poles is totally convinced, him and Matt Eberflus, that either either Anderson or Gardner, one of those defensive line, the guy at Georgia, the guy at Alabama, that they are impact players, and we want one of these two guys, one of these two guys, and they have to get down. But if they go lower than four, if they go lower than four or three, they may not get either one or the guy they want. Okay, they they may not get the bonanza of extra picks to move down a spot or two. But I think it's going to be there. If someone's going to come up to them and try to get them. They'll be, if they want to move out of that and get the guy they want, they'll be able to make it happen. I'm pretty confident of that. Yeah, I, you know, I think that uh, a lot of what you say makes sense, Dave. Um, when we when we talk about teams with sal- – I can't remember a team with this much salary cap space, but I don't know, I, I don't know how good that is, to be brutally honest with you. I mean, I think – um, didn't uh, Indy have like $69 million going into last year? And it's not like just because you have it, you're spending a ton of money. They picked up the the quarterback contract. I think that's like $40 million of dead cap space that they'll have uh, when, when he's done. Um, I, I just don't know. 
you know, you can spend that money in different ways. You can use um, you can use some of that to eat a salary to get another pick. I I just don't know. These numbers are so kind of incredible, and there are teams that were fifty million over the cap that that kind of manipulate things and figure out ways. You know, the salary cap is like a living, breathing organism, and and even though you have all this money theoretically it's not like you have to spend it or you have to use it or you're going to improve so dramatically especially if there aren't good players available you know what we do need to find something out because uh back in the day you know i I remember when i was at the bears it wasn't called free agency stuff but but our total budget was like 70 some million and we spent it okay right uh but there were some teams that were not spending all their money. Right. And the ne- the next player contract that came up, there is something written in there. You, and you can maybe research it, unless you guys might know. But but now each team needs to spend at least, I don't know if it's 80%, 90%, 50%. I don't know what the number is. But now there is something written in there because the players are saying, hey, come on, we got to spend all the money. You know, So now you have to spend X amount of dollars of what are your – of the salary cap. I do know that. So I, I don't know what that number is, but uh, the, the new floor is $182.5 million. The salary okay. cap floor okay. is 182. Okay. There you go. Okay. So that, that we got that. And you know, the thing that can happen in this case, let, let's face it. If a guy's a really good player, the team he's with is going to want to keep him. So the bears are going to have to probably, and there'll be criticism for this to go get, a great player, you're probably going to have to overpay. And the Bears have that money, so they may overpay yep. this year for a few guys to get who they want. Uh, that's just the facts, you know. I mean, it's like buying a house, right? What's your house worth? Well, it's not worth that much. Well, somebody <laughs> just offered me that. Well, if you want it, you're going to have to pay it, you know. So that's uh, – uh, that, that'll probably happen some. I would expect that to happen a little bit. And the prices that you pay in free agency – I, it's through the nose. I mean, it's like you're you are shopping in the high rent district. You know, you're not just getting an apartment; you're getting one on the on the richest uh, street in town, right? In other words, you're not you're buying retail on Michigan Avenue. You're not going to the dollar store. The prices are extraordinary because it, there is a bidding war on, and you're usually making up for failed draft picks. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know what, I think Ryan Poole and, and his staff, I think they're good enough. I really do. You know, I, from the draft, you look at some of the late round picks we got that, that really have a chance to be players in this league and, and contribute. Uh, they're going to find some free agent guys that they may give a few dollars more than what the market says they should give, but, but they really believe that they're good players and they might not be household names, but they're going to come in and, and, and make our team better. And, uh, and maybe strengthen our team from the bottom up. So uh, that's that's all on the table to happen. It, it truly is. I mean, there's a lot of work that has to be done, a lot of different scenarios, and we really won't know anything. You know, the, I, I would I would not be shocked if the Bears come out and Ryan Pohl says, you know what, we uh, we're we're not sure about uh, Justin Fields. You know, uh, our doors open. Someone's going to say, "Would you draft a quarterback?" That's going to come up today, mm. and if and I wouldn't, sh- it wouldn't shock me, but I really wouldn't believe it if he came out and said, "Hey, if he's the best player on our board, we'll draft a quarterback." I, that wouldn't shock me, you know, because what the he's trying to send a message to everybody in the NFL, 
you know what? We may just sit there. So if you want our pick, you're going to have to pay more guys because we, we're content. We're content to sit here and take another quarterback. Dave, you've, you know, been in this, you've been in a situation before where you talk about the quarterback, and if he says that today, what does he have mm-hmm. to say to Justin Fields? How much assurance do you need to give your starting quarterback, your franchise quarterback in this case, that you believe in him? Because if you publicly say one thing and privately tell him another, does he understand how the game is played, or do you have to make, go out of your way to make sure that he knows that he's your guy? Yeah, I, you better make sure that he knows. But you know what? I just think, and I might be off on this thing, I think that Justin Fields has really earned the respect. Maybe not because of all the touchdown passes he threw, but I think he has earned the respect of every player in that locker room. I think that there's not a guy on that team right now that says this guy is a winner and he does everything he can every week to help us win and wants to win a championship. So, yes, you would have to address Justin Fields, uh, David, if you say that. But I think, too, that, that you know, you, you got to be careful with the team. It's a fine line there. Or pretty soon they start thinking in the back of their minds, is there a doubt? You know, and then that's a whole, whole other story. But think of this. We had Troy Aikman. And in the supplemental draft in June, uh, we drafted Steve Walsh. Okay, mm-hmm. with the first, and we traded him later for a one and a two. So we, so Jimmy, Jimmy picked up an extra pick with it. I mean, you know, Jimmy. I mean, the best part of the thing he loved more than anything was draft day. That was his deal. We made more trades the first year to Dallas Cowboys than the entire National Football League made in the last five years together. So I mean, he is the master of this. Okay, and he knows his. He made his value charts out and. Uh, we got to get him. I'll get him to come on. I'll call him and we'll get him to come on here next week or two. But I mean, so he he can talk about his thinking a little bit with some of that stuff, and uh, it'll give our listeners a whole different spin, you know. Yeah, that sounds great. And you know, it's funny because Jimmy, the the uh, the draft chart, obviously, um, it's a it's kind of a loose blueprint, but it's still used. The teams still have it, and they still look at it. And you know, supposedly, yeah. The, the I was just going to say that the. The o- number one overall pick is like 3,000 points, and the number two pick is 2,600. So by virtue of Lovey Smith winning that game and the Bears losing, they picked up effectively a second-round pick? Absolutely. Yep. And that chart, we sat there, and I would sit there next to him, and he'd, we'd have a chart on, and he'd be talking on the phones to somebody and, and our our director of uh, football would be talking to somebody else or Jerry would be talking to somebody and he'd be trying to get two or three deals going. And, and he would always say value of that. Okay. You'll give us a third. What's that value? And he'd look over and we'd put our finger. I would say, Hey, that's 500 points. We're up 500. Give him the thumb up 500 or Hey, bad deal. We're down 500. So he really, uh, you make those gut decisions, you're, you're going to get tied into emotions. You got to take the emotions out of this draft now. When you have this, obviously, the picks and you have the money and stuff. And he just felt better, and that's why he got with our finance guys, our money guys, and said, "Let's work on this chart. This is what I want. You guys come up with the numbers and tell me how I can use it." Dave, every team goes through exit interviews with players and coaches, and at the end of a three and fourteen season, you can imagine how those conversations would go. Yesterday, Justin Jones revealed that he said that the Bears players addressed some grievances with the coaches, and they were they took the constructive criticism 
um, from the players. And I just wonder, when you talk about a team that believes it has such a strong culture and then you hear a player talking about the airing of grievances, uh, how do you reconcile those two things and, and how do those conversations go? Well, that's why I kind of like Matt Eberflus, that he that that's part of his uh, exit physical strategy. You know, I want to hear it now. You know, ha- half the stuff he, he may not pay any attention to, uh, but there may be one or two points there that uh, that do make sense. And, you know, it, it could be something. Everybody wants to go to the extreme when they hear that, but it may just be something like, hey, coach, if we could if we could leave a little bit earlier on the flight and get to the hotel and the visiting team, it would give us a little bit more time before our meeting. You know what I mean? Or it might be a dress code thing. It could be little things like that. It's every, Everybody wants to assume that they're in their tone saying that the defensive coordinator doesn't know what he's doing or the offensive coordinator or whatever. That's not the case. I mean, I'm sure that uh, for the most part, it's, it's meeting times and maybe walk-through times and pads and when we're not pads and how we conduct our meeting after the game. We're all in here together, Coach. Any chance we could have more individual time, you know, stuff like that. Dave, when we, when we think about uh, the Bears kind of winding up in this spot, clearly they didn't plan on it because if they had, they wouldn't have made the trade for Chase Claypool. I mean – the the reality is that they gave up what is now the 32nd pick in the NFL draft. Most years that would be the last pick of the first round, but this year it's the first pick of the second round because Miami lost their pick, um, and they gave that up for Chase Claypool. So Claypool, the way the year finished for him and the, the numbers and all the rest of it, had they imagined they'd be this bad and have a 10-game losing streak, uh, from the time they acquired him, I doubt they'd have made that move. Uh, I can't argue with it, but I can't disagree. I, I can't go either way on that because I got to see more. I mean, the ability is there. We know that. Okay. But, but we haven't seen it on the field. So I'm holding judgment on, on Claypool until I see it. I know what he's talking about. He's going to work in the offseason, and him and Justin are going to do this, and we're going to have a great team, and we're going to do this. That's all fantastic. Show me the money. Show me on Sunday that you're there, you're practicing, you're durable enough, and and you got the ability to do it, and the size and the strength and the speed and the intelligence. Now, come on. Either we're going to do it this year or we're moving on. Dave, you got to give us your weekly Jim Harbaugh update because the story keeps changing. What's he going to do, and how do you explain this flirtation with the Denver Broncos? I would hire Jim Harbaugh if I was an NFL team tomorrow. Uh, you know what, guys? It's been it's being proven in the college ranks more so that these guys that have done it uh, in other programs and they have a winning formula, your odds are better, I think, with them than – than just winning the press conference and hiring some young guru guy, offense or defense, I don't care. Jim Harbaugh has won on every level, including the National Football League. Now, does Jim want to take a job? Do you go and interview or talk to anybody if you don't? No. So I think he's looking. I think if he gets an opportunity, he leaves. The other side of the coin is, and I love Jim. I mean, he, you guys know that, and we, we communicate. But I tell you what, if I'm Michigan – I'm about, I'm about getting tired of this, okay? Uh, you know, I mean, truly. And there's got to be a hard conversation pretty quick here. Jim, 
you know, either you're here or you're not. But we're not going to go through this every year. It's not fair to our program, our alumni, our administration. It's just not right. Are you here or aren't you? I think if he gets the right offer, he leaves. That's my personal opinion. Wow. Uh, Dave, any any playoff thoughts? Anything surprise you? Do you uh, do you like the chalk? What are you thinking of when you look at uh, at the NFL playoffs? When I look at the playoffs, you know, I, I don't see a dominant team mm-hmm. in the NFC. I mean, who would you be when we were kidding about Detroit, you know, about Detroit beating the Packers? And I said to somebody, I think I was talking to North Turner, and I said, you know, North, if we were going in the playoffs right now, and I, Detroit would be a team that I wouldn't want to play, you know, Tampa. Detroit. I mean, look at the teams that are in there. They all got even even 49ers. Everyone's talking the 49ers or the team. They might be, but they're playing guys a rookie quarterback. This guy is this whole playoff thing is a different level of intensity for players and coaches. So I mean, he's we'll see what he does. I'm, I'm and Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia. Look yeah. at Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is playing in the halfway through the fourth quarter against the Washington commanders and he can't, they can't beat them. So, you know, I, um, I, I don't see, you know, I don't see the dominant team. What I would say and sum it up is don't count Tom Brady out. If, wow. if they, I'm telling you, they've got enough ability down there in Tampa. They're playing at home. Uh, he's got his passing game going a little bit now with Evans and Godwin. You know, I, I don't know. I don't have a real favorite. Philadelphia is who I'd pick. If I had to pick somebody right now, I would say the Eagles. But, because they get to the buy. But I'll tell you what, I think it's as close of having uh, a non-dominant team in the NFC as it's been the last couple of years. That's a great point. Dave, thank you. Great catching up. Always a joy. Thanks, Dave. Okay, guys. See ya. Uh-